This is Crosscut Reports. I'm Sarah Bernard. Today, we hear about a program in Washington's prisons that allows incarcerated mothers to care for and live with their babies. She'll be a month on Thursday, so we're just kind of getting used to our routine and schedule right now. Over the past few months, Crosscut photographer and videographer Amanda Snyder and reporter Joseph O'Sullivan have been visiting the Washington Correction Center for Women near Gig Harbor. There, they spent time with several mothers who are taking part in what's called the Residential Parenting Program. One of these mothers, Paige Zorn, was recently released. In this episode, we hear about what it's like to live in prison with a new baby, what impact the program has had on these moms' efforts to rebuild their lives, and the challenges that are waiting for them on the other side. So Amanda, you're a photographer and videographer with Crosscut. So we're going to go meet the moms. And I understand that the idea of following this program that allows incarcerated mothers to live with their babies in Washington, that was your idea to start? Um, If we go into the nursery, we ask that you take off your shoes. Sure. Oh my gosh. This story got so much cuter. (laughs) Where did the idea come from and and why why did you want to pursue it? So I came across this program some years back after doing some research and found it was one of about a dozen programs like this in the U.S. The United States puts more females in prison than any other country in the world. And the majority of incarcerated women are mothers. But prison nurseries are rare. And the pandemic hit, so it kind of stalled um, on doing some of their reporting. And the prison system was hit really hard, especially in Washington State. So the program sort of dissipated. And then I came back to it. They always get so interested in the camera. Yeah, they're very photogenic. I was interested in groups that are often overlooked. Women make up a lot less of the incarcerated population, pregnant women and individuals, even more so. So I was curious what kind of care they receive, how this program is such a a niche in the prison system. And I've always been interested in more reproductive health stories. Yeah, wow. So you've been thinking about this for For years. Oh, yeah. Probably since 2018, 2019. And Joe and I have been doing stories around the prison system in Washington. What's your little one's name? Janessa. Joe, I wonder if you could give me kind of an overview of the program. What does it do exactly? Sure. So this is the uh, residential parenting program uh, run through the State Department of Corrections. We have... um, 11 prisons in the state now that one just closed. And in the Women's uh, Correctional Center, if uh, a mother is expecting and coming through the system, uh, she can have her baby and then they can stay together in a special uh, unit that helps offer child care and and also parenting lessons and and skills and stuff like that. And the idea is, you know, you keep an attachment between a mother and and baby. Um, And there's sort of an application process you have to go through. In order to qualify, you can't have any, like, violent crimes on your record or crimes against children. And the program allows you to stay with your child uh, for 30 months. So that's sort of the time frame um, that they look at. And uh, we started this story in the spring, and it, it had only been open, it was just getting sort of back open. So the first three mothers and their children uh, since the pandemic were in there when we started. This is the first baby um, post. Oh, okay. So this really is sort of the yes. the new kind of yes. version so of it. this is Janessa. Okay, correct. Tell me about the first time the two of you went to the Washington Correction Center for Women 
What was that first trip like for you? The first trip, we went and we met the three mothers in the J unit where they were living kind of in this community, communal room, um, and introduced to all their babies. And they were, that's kind of where they hang out. I mean, it just felt like a daycare center. There was a movie playing in the background. They had all their toys. We walked around to each of their rooms and saw a little sneak peek. Yeah, my room with their own crib, rocking chair, everything. Okay. And they're all, you know, talking about how messy it is with having a kid also there. So J-Unit, if you sort of just imagine in your head, it almost felt like a, a college dorm in the sense that, like, you've got the hallway, you know, and you've got sort of the rooms off on the sides and everybody's got their own room in the door. And then there's sort of the, would you call it, like, the living room or the sort of the nursery room where they spend time. And then sort of off the hallway, you've got uh, a little sort of kitchen. And we walked over to their daycare center, which is where they can drop their kids off when they go do school or they have a workplace program. And they also support them in learning how to raise their child and how to support their child, how, you know, how to do a diaper or how to feed their child and everything. You know, they they stay pretty busy, too. So it's like they're, they're going in college classes or trades programs during the day and, and, and or they have jobs uh, in both in a few different cases. Plus, they're taking care of their kids. So it almost is, you know, when you think about their daily days, a lot of it's things that a, a mother might be doing outside as well. I would say dorm-like is actually very accurate. You, but then you'll be sitting there and they'll do roll call for attendance and the security will walk through, walk in and peek in and you're kind of like, oh, we are in prison. Can you tell me a little bit about the moms you met? You met three moms. We met three moms, uh, Paige Zorn, Marie Holler, and uh, Christina Torres. So what was your first name again? Christina. Christina. They come from sort of around the state, from Clown County, Grays Harbor County, and, and Pierce County. And they span a little bit of an age. Paige is uh, pretty young. She's 24, or younger than the others. She's 24. Um, her child is seven months now. And we sort of asked them about their stories, why they were there, how, they, how the program, they felt about it. And in their stories to us, you know, they, they came in for sort of drug-related issues. Um, those were the stories that they told us. I, I, I never seemed to stay out of trouble for very long, and it was always drug-related. It wasn't, I wasn't, like, violent. I don't have behavioral issues. My behavioral issues are, are all um, self-sabotage, you know. I think it's important to note, too, as you mentioned, the program itself is designed for people with short sentences, right? Like, you couldn't be a part of this program if... If you're in there for 20 years, or if, yeah, and if you're in there for a violent crime, yeah, mm-hmm. it, it's it's really geared toward, you know, people that haven't done violent crimes that are, aren't going to be in there for a long time, and then you can keep the, the child and the mother together. So there are limitations to the program, and there is an application process. I mean, did you get the sense that this, it was kind of hard to get into, or? The mothers told us it was a pretty rigorous check. The application is about 15 pages long. Okay. They ask you questions of why you would be a good candidate, um, what you could offer, like a little bit about your crime. One of the women, Marie Holler, was, you know, she was worried that she wouldn't get in. She had, um, she had been in prison earlier and got out, and she told us she'd actually gotten cleaned up and gotten out of drugs and was working and, and met a guy and was getting married. And then some charges sort of came back from her past 
that she had to resolve. And, um, you know, again, earlier in her life, when she was still struggling with, with drugs, she she said, she, you know, her, her behavior wasn't perfect in prison and stuff. Um, but I told her, I was like, you know, I've come a long way since then. And in fact, you know, I'm pregnant now and um, looking at coming back and, she, you know, asked her if there was any chance that I could get in. But she went through all the screening and everything and, and they let her in and, and she's really... She's over the moon about the program, and and she's been uh, working on her associate's degree while in there. So you know she's waiting to sort of get out with uh, with her child Dahlia and and sort of start fresh. Mm-hmm. If you have a baby and you're incarcerated, I couldn't imagine not wanting to be a part of this program. I mean, what what would they have done without it? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I mean, they they say the program's just been been really good for them. Uh, Paige, the young mother, kind of goes farther than that. It saved my life, yeah. for sure, one hundred percent. It's the only thing that I think, not the only thing, but the biggest thing that changed my entire perspective on everything. So tell me about Paige. I understand you spent a little bit more time with Paige than maybe the other mothers. She was pretty close to being released from prison when you met her, right? Yes, yeah, so we went in in the spring. We first met her then, and she was um, released in uh, September, actually. Uh, and we were able to meet her again outside after her uh, release. She was getting off drugs while she was inside. And so I was doing, I'm not gonna lie, like hard drugs, about hard drugs. So, and I knew a week later I was going to prison. Uh, court, they told me that it, they have a baby program and I hope I can get in and adopt to make sure my family can take them because it's not going to be good. She also moved out here from, she grew up in Wyoming, and so she moved out here uh, about five years ago. Her father lives out here, so she's got a little bit of support, but, you know, it's not like, you know, all her family's around and, and a whole big support network or something. And so she said that, you know, even the parenting skills and the and the sort of the ability to have that support in there to get her started, um, she said that really helped her. I mean, it really, it did help her detox even, too. I was hard on drugs, like I said. Yeah. I was on fentanyl, I was on Nexies, I was on heroin, I was on meth, I, I did everything. Sure, yeah. Anything yeah. I could find, I did it. Yeah. And uh, it was bad, and then I found out, like I said, I was pregnant for five weeks. I was still smoking, but I went from like 50 pills down to three pills a day. And set her up. I mean, you take yourself out of that environment that she was in, who she was surrounded by, and then she kind of comes in and gets all this support. And the more I was in there being pregnant and stuff, I start to realize that who I was with drugs. It not only helped her, I mean, have her child, but also that that process and that support also is what she said gave her her hope and also to, to stop with drugs too. So for her, sort of a two two things going on at the at the same time. And the one page I was before I started drugs, I was an outgoing person. Everybody in town loved me. Everybody looked up to me. I was babysitting people's kids. Like, yeah. And now it dropped down to, I'm just this junkie kid that nobody trusts and I can't talk to anybody or communicate. And it was just weird. So being off the drugs in there, I realized who I am and like who I'm starting to come. And I don't want to go change that again. Okay. And she also connected a lot with the other women that were there. I think she found them to be role models for her. I mean, she was describing her community, her friends as kind of fake outside of prison. And then she goes in and finds all this support with women who know what they're doing, who are in similar situations, similar experiences, and that she kind of really looked up to them. I think she 
she just said she felt a bond that she hadn't felt with these other friends who were kind of part of the drug-related charges and everything. The last five years, I've had people that have used me for a car, that have used me for my drugs, that have used me for my money, that just want to be around me because I was a pretty face to smoke with a big show off to their boys. Mm -hmm. Stuff like that, and it was hard. And I was, they'd get mad because I wouldn't sleep with them. Mm -hmm. And I had no real friends. Even then, chicks, same thing. Like, they, nobody was a real friend to me. And it sucked. So when I got to prison, and all these people were like actually like nice and wanting to help and that were wanting to be my friend and inviting me to go do this stuff. I made true connections and true friendships there. I mean, you know, when we spoke to her in prison, she was she was a little worried uh, because she'd had these resources in prison. And so she she was worried about getting out. I'm not gonna lie, I'm super nervous. Super nervous. I'm more scared than anything of, like, yeah. going out and ending up feeling like like I don't have that support and I'll have the help, but I'm more scared of going out and relapsing. I have a plan for when I get out to have a sponsor. I have my support crew. I'm excited to get out, but I feel like I'm still not ready. Um, she was worried about relapsing into drugs. Uh, she was worried about people from her past, some of the people that she um, ran around with in Pierce County that are still around. You know, she'd want to fall back into uh, that crowd and everything. Um, and she was concerned about, you know, where she you know, where she was going to live. She had questions about that. Uh, but when, when we met her earlier this week, she seemed to be uh, pretty, doing pretty well and, and pretty happy about it. I was so scared coming out thinking, I can't do this. I'm not going to have the people with me helping me. I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. And when I got out, like, it was like, oh, this is easy. Like, it helped me become a really good mom and prepared me. Like, it prepared me so much for when I got out. The Department of Corrections got her, um, she's got like a six-month rent voucher at like a, uh, a group home, so she has roommates and everything. All the girls in the house, like, I've just come to love. Okay. We all get along. Our house is like, it's like a little family. She is going to uh, meetings, like, you know, Narcotics Anonymous or Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, and she's going, I think she said five five times a week. About five out of seven days, I am going to meetings at night. NA or AA, okay. whatever I can find. And when she was inside, she completed a uh, training certificate program that helps uh, provide workers for, like, I think, like, aerospace manufacturing, um, stuff like that. And so she is hoping uh, she should, she expects she'll have some kind of job lined up through that program uh, because she graduated and everything. And so she's, um, you know, she's got to work that out in the coming months. But she's also, you know, now, now Zalen's out. It's his first... <laughs> kind of moments out in the world, too. And so she's having those experiences with him where she said, uh, like, he's in the car, you know, you know, sort of his first car rides. He can't stop screaming. Uh, he doesn't like the grass. He does not like grass. Not used to that yet. No grass. But he did. He does love the cell phone. So Paige said when she's, like, video chatting with her mom or her sister, he'll see the, the phone and just start army crawling yeah, right toward it. So Universal thing for kids. Yeah. I mean, she's come a long way. It sounds like she was sharing that with you. What kind of challenges still stand in her way now? I mean, we've really met her at such a fragile time after getting out, trying to figure out all these steps. I mean, it is very delicate trying to find a place to live, trying to find a job. I mean, if something doesn't succeed or there's a setback, how is she going to come back from that? 
you know, what if the job placement doesn't work out? What if she can't find a place to live? I mean, these are things that she's trying to figure out. So we will probably end up following up with her. I always end up checking in with people that I report on or cover, especially with visuals, because I hang out with them for so many hours. It's hard not to check in with them. So I think the next six months will be interesting to kind of go back and see where she's at. You guys shared with me a little bit of, you know, the audio from the interviews that you had with some of these women. And it it just struck me that there are a lot of themes. Paige and the other women you spoke to kind of seem to really lean into this, this idea that they had a reason to heal themselves because they had this this child and the support to have this child. This has given me a huge thing to stay on track for. Whereas before, I would always go back to my um, my old coping skills, unhealthy coping skills of trying to pass my time. Mm-hmm. I miss my family so bad, my child so bad, so I'm going to do what feels good, which is drugs. And I feel like if he wasn't with me, like I would have had that addiction to go because I want to have a motivation. I want to have a bond to want to keep me clean. So this gave you something, not just for him, but also sort of for yourself. Too. Exactly. Yes, yeah. we did hear that. Um, I mean, especially from Paige, who just went on and on about how it really did save her life and probably her baby's life. I mean, I can't imagine going through pregnancy and then she wouldn't be able to be with Salen because she probably would have gone into either the foster care system or someone else in her family. I mean, that was really up in the air. So for her, it was a reason to get sober. If you think in the case of Marie, who had just gotten married before she went in, I presume her baby would have gone to her husband, the father. But then, you know, so her baby Dahlia would really would not have seen her mother for the first seven months of her life. Maybe just visits to come in because family can come in and visit. But so from the child's perspective, that's a that's a big difference, too. Yeah. And that's a bond that's hard to get back. I mean... Even Christina was saying that when she was at home with her other kids, she didn't get to connect with them as well because she was going off to work all day. She was trying to find childcare. My other kids, I have three at home, and I always worked. Um, towards the end, I actually had two jobs, so like I wasn't able to actually see, you know, like my son walking or his first tooth or stuff, you know, stuff like that. And with her, like I'm experienced, like everything. It's like you know, being a new mom. There's research on attachment theory, you know, that that when a a child has time to bond with the mother and that helps create sort of a a, sort of a positive lifelong personal environment. And so, you know, the hope with a program like this is, you know, it's not just the adult that has gone in, you know, has, has, has done some crimes, has gone, is paying their debt to society. You want them to sort of get their life back together and uh, be good to themselves and society. But then you also have the baby too, so that you're you're sort of dealing with two generations where if you can help this sort of, you know, little family unit get going, you can sort of help two different generations of it. You know, this program, it's, it's not a big program, right? We just saw three women and their babies. Like, that's not going to change all of the whole world and all of, all of history or anything, but... You know, if you have programs like this and they can be effective and they can work, that that's a thing where, you know, you can make a difference. You know, when you hear about this program, and especially from women with direct experience with this program, it seems like 
a universally good thing. They're telling you, this is really important. This has been a blessing for me, you know. So it's hard to imagine a criticism of the program. I mean, maybe it's expensive. I would imagine that would be one. But I mean, there are, I don't know, the criticisms of the program to be, you know, maybe they should rehabilitate themselves first without having to think about their baby. But I mean, in this case, I think having their baby with them sort of rehabilitated them. I think the other criticism would be, well, can't there be something outside of prison like home confinement or sort of monitoring with their baby as well and not just have these programs be in the prison system? You know, I I remember uh, my predecessor here at Crosscut, uh, Melissa Santos, did a version of this story back in 2017. Back then, she she wrote for the Tacoma News Tribune. There was some criticism, you know, back then at the time, just questioning whether something like this is is constitutional, right? To putting a child in prison. You know, more lately, I mean, some of the critiques that I heard when I spoke to um, one ac- academic expert was, yeah, this program's nice, but on the other hand, should pregnant women be in prison at all? Um, so, you, you know, you can find some critics on both sides of the, on sort of both ends of the, the legal spectrum. What did Paige tell you about what she might one day tell her son about this time and this experience? I think she's still working through that. And now when he's older, he'll ask and stuff. And I'm not going to lie to him. But I'm, I'm still at, like, lost on what to say for it. Like, I don't even know. It's going to be a hard conversation to have with him because, like, I don't want him not, like, to know his mom was a criminal. I don't want him to know the things his mom did, and there's a lot of things I won't tell him. I just, I can't. There's a lot of things I can't because, like, I did do the car hopping. I did do drugs. I did do theft. I did a lot of this stuff, and... So, like, I don't want him to know his mom was like that. But at the same time, like, he needs to know. It's a part of his life. The best advice I could probably tell him in, like, 10 years. So no matter what, just be you. And if there's anything you need, you can talk to your mom about it before you do it. Not all mothers want to tell their kids when they're older that this is where they that they were in prison with them in this program. Some of them aren't as proud about it. And the three mothers that we talked to said that they do want to tell their kids because I think it's a learning experience and part of their life story as well, Uh, especially Paige. I mean, I think she wants to set a good example, and she was sort of giving advice in the future to him to not necessarily be like me or follow my life path. But she has now a good story to tell him because they're doing good. Thanks for listening to Crosscut Reports. This episode was reported by Amanda Snyder and Joseph O'Sullivan and produced by me, Sarah Bernard. The story editor was Ryan Fumuliner. Our executive producer is Sarah Menzies. You can subscribe to Crosscut Reports wherever you listen. 
And whatever platform you're listening on, please review us. We'd love to know what you think of the show. Also, if you'd like to support the work we do at CrossCut, whether it's our lineup of podcasts, the video docu-series we stream every week, or the in-depth reporting we deliver every day, go to crosscut.com membership. In addition to supporting our journalism, members receive complete access to the on-demand programming of Seattle's PBS station, KCTS 9. For the latest political, environmental, and culture news from the Pacific Northwest, visit crosscut.com. That's also where you'll find a text version of the story we discussed today along with so many of Amanda's photos. Crosscut Reports is a product of Cascade Public Media. I'm Sarah Bernard. We'll be back soon with another episode.